Hey, hey, welcome back, movies and shakers. My name is Vu, the host of the Effortless Man podcast. And on this show, we talk to people of all walks of life that has a special story to tell or a level of expertise that we can dig deep into that may offer us a gem or two and ultimately help to elevate us and help us live a more effortless life. I also want to apologize for the late release of this episode. As you guys know, this is all very new to me and I still don't have my rhythm down pat. So I'm trying to get that all figured out and with the silly season coming in soon and with also us getting married in less than two months time, it's been pretty hectic for me. So I really appreciate your patience and also your understanding and of course your support of the podcast. And do we have a jam-packed episode for you today? So on this episode, I interview a prominent YouTuber and also a longtime friend of mine. I actually discovered him on YouTube a few years ago when I was looking into the Amen protocol, which is predicated upon a 23-hour fast, eating within a one-hour window, and subsisting on a purely plant-based vegetal diet, amongst other things. So, I was looking into this at the time. It highly interested me, and Spencer was someone that was already living it and also implementing these fasting and supplemental and dietary part of the regimen. So, when I looked into it, so I've been following uh, Spencer for a long, long time and we eventually got in touch and became friends. So, I'm super excited for this episode just because Spencer, a bit like myself, is a big uh, self-experimenter. He will not regard anything as the whole truth unless he has experimented on himself and experienced it himself, bit like myself. And something that's really interesting and you'll hear through the conversation is that he is such an introspective person. He always looks from within and finding ways of how he can transcend and become a better person, not just physically, not just mentally, but spiritually as well. So, jam-packed episode, we talk about his spiritual shift which he had to overcome to transition from, you know, eating a predominantly plant-based diet, a vegetarian diet for so 15 years in total or so, and then transitioning to a carnivore diet where he was eating predominantly meat. So, there was a lot of resistance that he had to overcome and a lot of things that he had to yeah, mentally overcome to to get to that. So I'm super excited for this episode. I think you guys will get so much with it. It's like probably one of my most, uh, you would say, controversial episodes just because I myself am a vegan. I subsist on a 100% plant-based diet and that should not stop anyone from having deep and meaningful conversations with another person. Our diet, I believe, should not divide us. And particularly in Spencer's Max's case, because he had to go through such a steep learning journey 
to land where he is today and he's pretty much done every and all diet under the sun. So with that in mind, I think there's a lot of anecdotal experience to be taken out of this episode and also a lot of things that you can learn from someone that's gone through such extremities of dietary evolution, so to speak. So buckle in, it'll be a super, super interesting episode and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Also, if you haven't already, please head over to the iTunes store or wherever you're listening to this podcast and give it a five-star rating and review. A genuine review will be greatly appreciated based on you know your listening experiences so far what you enjoyed and what you'd like to hear i would really appreciate that all right guys enjoy the episode i'll see you on the other side Guys, welcome to the Effortless Man podcast. In this installment, uh, we have a very, very special guest. I know I say that each time, but I truly, truly appreciate every single people that jump on this podcast with me just because it just means that, you know, they obviously got something to say, a special story. And and I think the person today, which is uh, Mr. Spencer Mack, has something very special to share in terms of his uh, life experiences and the things that he's cultivated in his life in terms of diet, training, philosophy, and then much, much more, which we'll um, get into today. So, Spencer Backman, um, welcome to the to the podcast. Excellent. Thank you, Brother Boo. It's great to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you on. Before you, um, you jumped on this podcast, you, uh, I guess, quickly mentioned that, you know, gone through a bit of your morning routine. So maybe tell us a bit about, you know, what you got up to this morning and then um, we'll, uh, we'll jump into it. Yeah, I woke up around six and took one of my dogs for a jog up the neighborhood road. Uh, I most recently, the morning routine or ritual is always adapting and uh, the main idea, as I shared before, is just to come completely grounded back into myself and remind myself of what I find to be most important in life to realign with my intention and to wake my body and my breath up. And so I've been enjoying jogging again recently and I like to time the rhythm of my jog with the mantra. And I've just recently come across, you know, I think everybody should find their mantra that brings their mind back to that intention, back to that thing that's most important to them. Yeah. And so jogging with the mantra and the rhythm bringing the, the blood to circulate and my lungs to expand and my uh, awareness back into my body before I start my day. That's what I like to do. Beautiful. And I guess for someone like myself and for other people listening that are not quite around the idea of a mantra, is that something that's personal and is, I guess, in secrecy or is it what, what, what's, what's defined a mantra for, for people that are not well around it? Different traditions use mantras in different ways, and there are some that keep theirs in secrecy. For instance, the Transcendental Meditation 
sect. Each individual is given a mantra by a teacher and they are told to keep that private. It's something that's just their own. Most of the time, they don't even know what it means. Often it's a Sanskrit word and it's just meant to be repeated. And the idea is it brings the mind. All these meditation techniques are to quiet and still the mind so that we can reach the deeper depths of what's really behind this whole experience, so to speak. Um, my mantra, I don't keep secret <laughs> because it help, helps me to cycle it. And it, it's uh, probably prone to change in the future. I've, I just recently came into this one through my own meditation. And uh, I'm open to sharing it with you if you want to hear it. Yes, please. Yeah. Right. It goes. And so I pray to know the one that found the way across the sea from shore to shore to land where he had stood before. And I just loop that. And that mantra is a little cryptic, but the symbolism in the words holds a lot of meaning for me. Yeah. It, it's like near poetic. Mm. And yeah, I've got, I've got a friend that, that's very into, you know, partially cryptic poetry and that sort of stuff. So, I, yeah, I, it's not something that I've been exposed to a hell lot of. But mm-hmm. I, I find it very interesting in terms of, uh, you know, interwining that back into one's uh, philosophy. So, right. So, is that something that you developed yourself or is that something that, I guess, been adapted from, from somewhere else? You know, I've, I've known the power of the word to concentrate and direct the mind for some time. And my mantra has fluctuated. I would just repeat different ideals or different words that I consider powerful or that describe character traits that I wish to embody. Uh, however, I've never really come to terms with a singular one that I just want to really concentrate on because it's so important to find that singular point of focus and collect and concentrate the entirety of yourself in one place is the name of the game. It could really be anything, any word, any sound, any feeling, a single point of focus that condenses your presence into a single place so much so that you are absorbed into it is the name of the idea. And most recently I came to the awareness of a sutra in the Mahayana Buddhist tradition known as the Heart Sutra. And it's supposedly, it's considered the most condensed message of all of the, all of the sutras that were given to us by Buddha or by Bodhisattva. And I just really like that idea because I haven't actually read the entire sutra yet, but I read that within the sutra, it contains a mantra that is basically a magical formula that this sutra says all the Buddhas used to reach that state of enlightenment. So it was a singular phrase. I've read a couple of um, translations of it, um, but it was a singular mantra that condensed the wisdom of basically all of the sutras. And I just found that idea profound. And since I know that it was translated so many times, it's 
the energy or the idea could potentially be lost in translation, so to speak. And I've always loved the idea and experienced the power of music, so to speak, the rhythm, the cadence of your words with your intention to be able to bring my mind to uh, powerful points of awareness. And so it's basically, I read about that idea and then I meditated on it for a night. And that mantra came to me specifically. Right. Well, uh, it, it sounds like it's near psychedelic in terms of messages and ideas coming to you. And I think, you know, and it, uh, that, that's something that I, uh, a podcast I did on uh, recently uh, with uh, a real good buddy of mine who is really, really into that sort of stuff is that, you know, to open up the mind and the consciousness so that these messages and these these yeah these mantras come to you in in a way that you can concentrate on and put put a focus on however you um can take that into your your daily life and uh, affect that in, into your personal practices mm-hmm. so uh let's let's uh take that back a bit brother and um i guess more so just as an introduction for the people um on the on the podcast to to know a bit about yourself I know you're a man of uh, many talents and many interests. So um, if you were to, I guess, condense that and I guess as hard and as much as I, I hate to sort of uh, do this sort of thing for myself, but maybe give um, them a bit of an intro in terms of who you are and your personal practices and philosophies as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can say that I've just been consistently passionate about unwrapping the totality of my potential since I was young. Right. Uh, I was into training. I had like a plastic weight set when I was like eight years old and was always in the martial arts, even though I didn't get to start training until I was about 18. And just different life experiences have showed me more and more about the beauty of the depth of what's really going on. And it's, it's my passion to collect these practices, these understandings to support the development of my body mind to such a degree that I can contain or channel or transmit as much consciousness, as much awareness as I possibly can. So that's really what's behind my training, my lifestyle, my meditation, the way that I eat. I want to develop this physical body in the clarity of my mind so that I can be an instrument of God, you could say. <laughs> I want to have yeah. I want to have no inhibition in the reception of the living truth is another way I like to put it. Uh, I want to, to have absolute clarity and the highest awareness I can obtain about truth and the reality of what's going on, the reality of who I am and what, what this is. I've, I haven't had anyone put it in that way before, but uh, that, that was very, I, I could sort of picture and see in terms of your intentions very brightly when, when you said that. And um, I think it's, it's a very noble one. It's something that I very, very much resonate with. And, but I've just got a really interesting question to just to throw out there that just sort of came to mind. You know, we, we've been living on this earth for thousands of years 
uh, each and every one of us are trying to cultivate that and discover that. Why hasn't it been discovered before and why do we all have to go on our own journey of discovery? Just to put it out there to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, it certainly has been discovered before. Uh, there are many forms that we've come into to where we have found the realization and the perception that I see right now is this is all the infinite imagination of God. And this is what you are living right now, the greatest story that was ever told. And although it is all happening simultaneously, instantaneously in the imagination of the one, you could say, we experience this story over time where we gradually come into a being, into a body, and gradually develop more and more awareness and perception and depth of the truth of what's really going on. And it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's the most beautiful story you can imagine. <laughs> it's how I've ever seen it. it really is. And all the depth of all the pain and all the challenge, the deeper you go, you start to see the perfection and all of the lessons of all the relationships that you have, the environments you've been in, and why these things came into your being. And ultimately, one way that I could put it into a metaphor is, you know, why do you go and watch a movie? Why do we love movies so much? Why do we love stories so much? That's how we transmit information. That's how we learn. And we love a good story. And you've never seen a movie that didn't have some kind of a challenge, some kind of an evil villain in it or some kind of a difficulty that had to be overcome uh it's it's like a song you know you go through these experiences some are up some are down and they all paint this beautiful experience this uh beautiful thing we call life so that's my perception as to why right now we don't remember perhaps obtaining the unity but i think we've probably done it infinite amount of times and infinite amount of realities and lives this is just another this is the the next best story we've ever told <laughs> yeah and that's that's totally resonate with me in terms of one of the the quote that i always think of that puts me into perspective in terms of when you're going through challenges and obstacles in life is that the quote is you know without darkness there could be no light so i guess we have to experience the polar opposites of, of each spectrum to really appreciate one or the other and I think that's something that you know you and I can share you know sentiment on is in, in terms of life and that's why I'm so grateful you know genuinely right now to be able to connect with another human being that has the same perspective in life is to pretty much accept all spectrums of life you know the good the bad the ugly the evil and I guess embrace it all and I guess take it all learn from it, evolve from it. And then to some extent, which I know that you're pretty passionate about, um, sharing that with the world in, um, in one way or the other or in terms of how you interpret it as, as your person and through your experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these challenges and difficulties and evildoers are all just a part of yourself so that loving acceptance is ultimately just self-love and self-acceptance that we're learning to do, to be 
And then the, the act of sharing and teaching our insights is a practice in itself of reiterating the truths that we have known so that they go deeper and deeper into our psyche and become a more and more powerful impact on our reality. Yeah, righteous brother. Talking through you know the trials and tribulations and one sort of pillar that I really want to start diving into is the, the transformation and the evolution of your diet. And I'm sure as we uh, talk more about it, how diet and the, the substances that we put through our mouth has a big effect in terms of our psyche and our daily experiences. So maybe, um, you know, maybe just to give us an, an idea, when, when did your fascination with diet and modulating that come into your life? And yeah, and then where is it um, now and how it's evolved and we'll, we'll go from there. Mm. When I was 18, I started training Kung Fu and I was very lucky to find a teacher that was extremely dynamic. And at the time, my greatest passion was just to become as good as I could possibly be at Kung Fu. And he shared with me on top of just the martial arts, uh, the whole system of Ayurveda, which is the, the Indian system of the science of life. And I mean, that covers everything, <laughs> you know, through their perception uh, from diet to meditation to to lifestyle practices. Um, it's an extremely in-depth scientific approach to the development of the human being. Um, and he shared that with me, amongst other things like traditional Chinese medicine and Qigong and uh, even Egyptian uh ritual and magic and so ayurveda was really my founding when i was 18 to the understanding that what you consume affects your physical prowess as well as your conscious clarity and ability and it's it's developed to so many layers since then that was uh what like 15 years ago and i've tried everything under the moon that I've been able to find as to dietary practices. But for the large part, I've been vegetarian or vegan since that time. I've had a, a couple of swings into a more animal-based diet, but they were most often just fish and eggs. I didn't eat beef or red meat for 15 years. And all sorts of different dietary practices, approaches, the practice of fermentation, of cultivating fermented foods, food preparation, trying raw foods, trying fruit-based diet, trying a completely raw food diet, trying growing microgreens and sprouts, uh, cultivating the soil that you grow those in just to grow the most potent microgreens and sprouts you can. I tried living on nothing but that for a period of a month and a half. And just various uh, experiences since then. I also got into intermittent fasting about 12 years ago when I read the book, um, The Warrior Diet. So that was my introduction into intermittent fasting. Um, yeah. And then I've had multiple just great teachers over the years. And, and then uh, most recently, I guess you could say uh, about five years ago, I came into the work of Dr. Nanaman Ra, and he took the idea of intermittent fasting and then really drove home the idea of caloric restriction 
and as well as multiple other, as you well know, you're nice and clear on um, ideas or discoveries that we have as humans that lengthen lifespan and improve vitality. So he was a really big impact to me more recently because he so coherently organized all these ideas into one place, into one program. And I, at the time before I found him, was designing my own lifestyle to reset. I had some really profound individuals in my life and I was kind of mimicking what they were doing. And uh, my friend Kotamita Moore, I've talked about him a couple of times too, but he was naturally living like this too. He was on this warrior diet, you could say, fasting all day, eating in the evening. And this dude was just yoked, you know, and, and just a great being. <laughs> just insane. And I was training with him. I was tra- teaching him martial arts for eight months straight, and he was growing faster than I was. So I was just like, what is this? So I was reverse engineering his diet. And literally that same week, I found all men's thing and uh, just jumped on it and was on it for about four and a half years. Yep. And that, that's, I guess that's something we'll, um, we'll uh, eventually get into. But, you know, I really want to take it back to, to where you started. You, you mentioned that, you know, you met this Kung Fu master and I believe it was in, when you were living in Tallahassee. Yes, sir. Yeah. And is that when your vegetarian and your vegetal, you know, lifestyle and diet started because through his influence and through his practices? Yes, uh, the Ayurveda, the system that he shared with me is a vegetarian based system. And so I, I started to follow that and, uh, yep, that's when I started becoming a vegetarian. And what was the philosophy behind that abstaining from, from meat just out of mm. curiosity? Great question. Their perception is that it's not considered a sattvic food and sattvic is is pure it's you could say spiritual that it is denser as an energy and that it will weigh you down so to speak and make it more difficult to uh reach absolution or realization all right and i guess with that philosophy with this mask that you've met you're still in contact with him or you still speak to him Mm-hmm. i am and um, is that something that he's um, pretty much subsist on, you know, since you met him or for, for, for a good part of his life? You know, I actually ended up taking the diet thing even further than he pursued it. Right. And the last time we were talking, I was really sharing with him my perspective on, on meat and the ketogenic diet. And I know he was trying to form the ketogenic diet. Um, I don't believe he was doing it vegan. I'm not sure. So I'm not sure what his current standing approach is to that. Yeah. But I'm uh, definitely curious to, yeah, I got tuned back in with him and see where he's found himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So I guess um, since the vegetarian days, wh- where did your diet develop after that? What was sort of the next evolution since, you know, being um, the 15 years on, on vegetarian diet? And mm-hmm. I guess wh- where did that take you? So maybe you can elaborate on that. Right, like as in most recently, the last six months or so? Uh, I guess, so So you were vegetarian for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then after that, what was the next phase of that evolution? Was it the Amen protocol that you uh, subsist on for quite a number of years or what proceeded after the, that interaction with your teacher and uh, your, your diet philosophy developing from, from that? 
Mm-hmm. I just read every book I could get my hands on. Uh, also studying the, the Chinese perspective, uh, the Western perspective, like Hipp- Hippocrates and the ideas of fasting and herbalism. Uh, as I said, cultivating my own food became a big part. I actually uh, moved and became a farmer, managed a farm, learned how to grow my own food. Um, and the, the Amen protocol was a part of that 15 years. It was the last four and a half years of my vegetarian experience. So it evolved through, as I said, multiple different stages. I, I tried brief, brief sects of uh, fruitarianism. That one was the least sustainable for me. Yeah. Um, I tried raw foodism for over a year. And other than that, it was basically cooked vegan foods. And I've fluctuated the full spectrum of trying different macros. I got into, I really got into the ketogenic diet before I was done with veganism. And that this seems to kind of be like the last stand for many people who are having trouble with the, the vegan diet. Yep. You end up at that kind of an extreme where you're going vegan or where you're going keto. And that, that really helped me for a period of time. Like it was, it's definitely become obvious to me that the, the fat is what I run on best. And so that was near the very end of my uh, vegan experimentation. I did that for a, about two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally believe that, man. Like when, when the student is ready, uh, the teacher will appear. And it's so funny that you were, you know, looking into, funny or coincident that you were looking into all these things. Then you discovered Amen Ra, who I right. guess has taken, you know, who's been practicing it for what I think now would be, you know, over 15 years, nearly 20 years. And then, you know, jumping onto that bandwagon and uh, developing that and for you as well um you know i've um been following your diet evolution for a number of years now and it's been a heck of interesting thing to 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 see and in terms of and and uh, something i really appreciate about you spencer is that you share so openly with your experiences and not just the good things but also the bad things and the struggles and the that you um gone through with with your diet in your experimentation mm. as a more recent the amen protocol and something i really want to you know delve into and i think there'll probably be a few listeners um that are you know tuning in that are interested about this aspect maybe give people a brief rundown of you know what it is and you know when when you were introduced to it and in terms of even just how you I guess felt at the time because it's to, to a lot of people I would believe it would be seen uh, I guess perceived very extreme but um, what, what were your perceptions at the time what made you crazy enough to be like this is what I'm doing <laughs> yeah I mean it just matched to my personality I, I am that kind of crazy person as you are too my friend <laughs> and uh you know, it just attracts a certain type of person who's really committed to that level of development. And he did such a great job of amalgamating these different aspects of life. Like he has the meditation, the training, the diet, and his level of organization and clarity of expression uh, of his protocol is just extremely attractive. I had never brought my, all of my ideas into such a cohesive 
uh, work. And so that was just very inspiring. And of course, his, his example was a major influence as well to see an individual um, in such a state and eating and living in such a way, only one meal a day, minimal calories, training every day. Um, you know, that to me is like just an epic challenge. <laughs> you know, I want to, yeah. I want to try it and I want to see how real it is. You know, I'm not somebody who can see something and then judge it. I'm, and from the outside, I can't talk trash. I will only know if I do it myself. And I'm very experience based in my own research. I literally just can't believe anything until I know it through my experience. And so I had to try it. And I, I threw myself into it completely. And in all honesty, it was one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I believe I was also metabolically damaged to a degree when I was even going into it. And like, I, I've had hypoglycemia since I was like eight years old. I was raised on pop tarts and toaster strudels and Tootsie rolls. Um, I've had like 20 something cavities in my life, um, up till about, a couple of years ago, which I'm lucky to say, I finally found the way to cease those. Yeah. But it's uh, that's a sign of deep, as they would say in Ayurveda. That's that's your um, that's like the deepest level of your tissues of the, the ojas and or the datus. Sorry. And when your bones are, are depleting, when your teeth are depleting, you are depleted on a very deep level, and it's difficult to restore that. And so. You know, because perhaps because of that, I had blood sugar issues and challenges that made it extremely difficult. It took me a while until my body adapted and I was actually able to get my blood sugar in control. And really, I, I had to start going ketogenic to really make that happen for myself. Otherwise, it was just uh, I was experiencing hypoglycemia every day and um, lethargy and fatigue. But it was an extremely profound experience for me because one thing he really taught me was the art of research and how well he scrutinized different scientific works and to really know the source of the information that you're living on. Like if you were going to live by something, it better not be because it was some article you read on the internet or even a book of somebody who you think is an intelligent person. If you really are going to live by it, you should find the study that they base their idea off of and view it yourself and see if there are any flaws in it. Because otherwise you're, you're founding, you know, the most important thing in your life, your health and well-being on somebody's opinion. And I found so many of my opinions to be wrong uh, whenever I found his work. And even since then, I've found you know, opinions of his that I now disagree with personally, just through my own investigation and experience. So even if it's somebody as profoundly clear and confident as Amin himself, you still need to look into the reasoning behind it and decide for yourself. So with the Amin protocol, you were on it for how long? Four and a half years. Four and a half years, right. And I'm pretty sure for, at the time when you were talking about it on your YouTube video, you pretty much like, you're the type of person that jumps right into it, right? Right. That was probably a mistake because you should slowly bring the caloric restriction on is my perception now. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I jumped in full on for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it's been quite a roller coaster since then. So... 
if you can, I guess, just share your personal experiences because we all have different personal experiences in terms of implementing different protocols and different interventions. So I guess what's been your experiences since from starting it, I guess, which is to reiterate for people is, you know, predicated upon 23 or so hour of fasting a day, pretty much subsisting on a plant-based vegetal diet and supplementing with, I guess, with certain nutraceuticals and um, proteins and amino acids and stuff like that. So this is what I guess Spencer Mac did for you know four four and a half years. Uh, maybe just talk through our experience, your experiences with that. You know, when when you started, you know how you felt towards the end of that four and a half years, and and um and how you felt then, and and where, where that's taking you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot of different experiments within the experiment, and a lot of different trials and successes during that whole time as i said it was extremely challenging in the beginning um because i had hypoglycemia or actually you know i think insulin insensitivity or blood sugar insensitivity i'm not sure the actual origin of it but i'd have really high blood sugar and then have these really deep um crashes of energy and it just was that i I pursued was that through just, I guess, uh, your perception and your experiences? Um, or you were monitoring that as well? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I started testing my blood sugar. It wasn't until I think about two months in I started testing my glucose. And that showed me like, wow, I have some kind of problem here metabolically. And and that's one thing to say, like the program is not for people who are coming in metabolically damaged or deficient. It's, it's I see it's for somebody who's already in good shape. I don't necessarily see it as a practice to restore um, deficiencies. Um, It will and can help heal certain metabolic issues. But, you know, I've seen many people who have gotten on it and have way less of a challenge or at least the way that they share their story um, than I did coming into it because of that uh, blood sugar control. Where's the fun in that then, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's too easy for you guys. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, but it just became this like intense spiritual practice. Like I felt like this is the challenge. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how I reach liberation is through this kind of a trial. And so I really had like started to accept that this is how life is. It's a it's difficult. <laughs> and uh, it didn't have to be. O- over time, I found more and more things that helped me. Like I said, I started doing the ketogenic diet and that cured my blood sugar issue i was no longer having these fluctuations during the day the hunger wasn't so intense i was sleeping better and i was just able to get back to my life so to speak um so that for me was and i went on and off the ketogenic diet multiple times because it's like you learn something and then maybe in a couple months hey maybe that's not it i'll try going back to carbs again and I, so I fluctuated on and off of it multiple times enough to know that, wow, my body really prefers this. It's night and day for me. Right. Um, and I, I proposed that to Amin and really started studying the ketogenic diet. And he, uh, he's not a fan of the fats. And originally when I proposed, like, you know, the idea is that you get sufficient protein, your elixir provides basically all of the nutrients that you need. And the food, the dinner, is in large 
just the caloric aspect of your intake. So when it comes to calories, you get them from carbs or from fats. And when I was like from fats, you know, he was in disagreement with that. And he cited to me cholesterol and heart disease and saturated fat and heart disease. And I knew from my research that that is false information. Those studies that founded that idea, Ansel Keys, were actually found to be fraudulent. And our understanding of fats and their effect on the metabolism and the organism has grown drastically in the past decade. So it's a newer insight. And I believe that that no doubt is a genetic uh, variance in individuals. Some people, especially also microbiome variants, some people are better able to handle carbohydrates, run on carbohydrates than others based on their heritage, their lineage, or their microbiome. Um, there are multiple variables, but there's a large population that runs better on fats. And so that was one of the first things that really made me start kind of questioning um, more into the system and what was really ideal for me. Yeah. Um, and so it's about three and a half years. I mean, I hit multiple peaks. I hit one really amazing peak. I'd say that was probably like two and a half or three years in where I was just really on minimal calories. Um, How many calories were you on at the time? I was 1300 for, it was like 13 to 15. And I believe it was a period of three months. Now, granted, when I look back at myself, I was skinny as shit. And I looked, <laughs> I looked like I was like famished, you know? So I could have just been in a, a state of like delusion where my body was just amped up because I was so in survival mode, perhaps, even though I felt extremely clear, my meditation was excellent. Um, I started only sleeping four to five hours a night and still being able to train, not needing a nap during the day and really just reach this streak, this pace that felt it enlightening. It was amazing how light I felt. I felt really good. Um, but at a certain point I couldn't maintain that and I broke, I ate more food. Um, I'd say probably five or six times in the four and a half years that I was doing it, I, I would break. Uh, one period was probably up to a week. Most of the time it was like a couple days on a weekend. I would expand my eating window. I would eat more calories because I just couldn't keep up with the the challenge, the demand. Yeah, And I could have been far under shooting my caloric needs because I'm also, I was working on a farm. I was training twice a day. You work on a farm, you're going to you know be sweating your ass off too. Yep. So once I actually started wearing a heart rate monitor and saw what they recommended I should take for calories. It was like, <laughs> I was, you know, doing more than a 50% restriction there. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's pretty hectic. And I think that that says a lot about, you know, people die, who dive into these sort of programs and protocols and, you know, really not have a, like a good understanding and also says something about, you know, self-quantification in terms of how important that is to, to get things right, because I guess we can interpret, you know, different ideas and ideology and then jump right into it. But the thing is, we might not being, yeah, like yourself, you could be well under shooting caloric intake and that could really have a, a detrimental effect in terms of mm-hmm. how you're feeling and your overall health and your results. Mm-hmm. But um, 
during that time, you know, I think you mentioned that, you, you know, or you mentioned, I guess, in general that you were on the protocol, you were at your clearest. Um, and you also just mentioned now you were at your lightest. I guess you're talking about like, you know, physically and also mentally as well. What, what point of time uh, during the protocol did you experience that? And uh, did it last for, for, for a while or? Yeah, I believe it was about three months in. And, um, or sorry, three years in, and I, I was doing that level of restriction and really upping the amount of time I was meditating in a day. And yeah, it was a, a physical, mental, spiritual elevation for me. Like dream life felt more like a dream. I had less inhibitions, more energy to act on those things that I desired. And yeah, so it was, a, it was a period. Actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. It was it, that peak lasted me about two weeks. Right. Um, it took me it took me like two to three months to get there of that level of of uh, restriction and practice. Yep. But as I said, it, it was not maintainable for me, and I judge myself now as definitely underweight and probably uh, doing detrimental <laughs> detrimental effects to my body. Yeah, it's a good thing that we reflect on ourselves like that because that's only the only way we can learn and move forward is to be, I guess, self-critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and you mentioned just previously then that you'd had like, I guess, uh, you know, the weekends or the, the days that you would literally mentally and physically break and would just up your calories, sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. did that remedy in terms of how you felt at the time? Or how did that have an effect on on, on your practice um, during that point in time? Uh, Both good and bad. And part of it, I would feel refueled and I'd have energy and then I'd be invigorated again. And then I'd want to, you know, bring it to the next level and I'd get back on it. Um, Part of it was difficult because to me that was, I was losing a challenge. I couldn't sustain this ideal that I had painted in my mind as what perfection was as what ideal was Uh, so part of it was like challenging and that it was self-defeating and another aspect i mean i would my body became so efficient at absorbing nutrition that i would just you know stack up the energy i would i would feel really really strong and revivified in those days after feasting and I, I remember at the time when you were towards the end spectrum of the, you know, implementing the Amen protocol and I guess incorporating the ketogenic diet into that, you um, you were making your own chia oil and um, you bought an oil press and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because trying to find the food that works for you, for in my experience, was very difficult. Like I just had digestive issues if I were going to eat beans every day, even if I fermented and, you know, soaked them, cooked them, fermented them, um, ate them with enzymes. It's like they still would just wouldn't sit right with me. Um, and so I tried so many different variety of foods and it eventually over time, I just kept isolating it more and more to simplify it. So I could really peg down what foods work for me. And, and then I really started, I mean, I got to the point where I was analyzing every nutrient independently and, and seeing, you know, through chronometer what I was missing, what I needed, 
where I could get it and then trying different variations of combinations of food to ensure that I had the complete um, nutritional input that I needed as well as, you know, of course, all the supplements. It's definitely the most highly supplemented uh, dietary um, approach that I know of. It's, it's to the hilt, you know, you supplement, <laughs> you supplement everything that you need basically. And then you just eat food for calories. It's, it's kind of a really oversimplified way to put it. But so I like, you know, almost became obsessed with figuring out what it was because I was just feeling like there just wasn't something right. It wasn't working. What am I doing wrong? What am I missing? Trying all these different foods that just still weren't really working for me. Um, and so it eventually I was attempting to just live on the elixir. And I did that for months uh, because, you know, theoretically, and I even talked to Amin about this. I was like, have you ever just lived on the elixir? And he was saying that he himself was going to do that because he was actually going to be dropping weight to compete in a lower weighted uh, weight class. And in, so he was... In, in powerlifting. Yeah. Yeah. And so... And so, uh, you know, I talked to him about like, have you ever just lived on the elixir? And, and he said, you know, basically that it's a potential. And I was like, cool, I'm going to try that. And so I was just trying different variations of the elixir. And since I was doing ketogenic, I was um, using fat as my primary fuel source. And so I was looking into different types of fats. And, and ultimately, I got an oil press so that I was getting... Um, fresh pressed seed oils so I don't have to worry about oxidation and, you know, doing things like coconut, avocado, olive oil, olives uh, as my primary calorie input. And I was doing that for, you know, months, maybe six to eight months. Wow. Eating, eating food here and there, but I just kept trying to dial in nutrition because to me, one thing the protocol did, did to my mind was make me dissect everything and into individual points where I'm trying to understand each nutrient independently and find a source of it and then put it in there. Yep. And I, I completely disagree with that perspective now. Right. Um, just the more that I have dove into trying to understand the complexity of nature and what is necessary to cultivate vitality and our optimal potential the, the complexity of what we get from from animal foods, so to speak, uh, is is beyond our comprehension. Perhaps we'll get there eventually, but like for instance, the fatty acid profile of milk is there's over 300 different forms of fatty acids in there, different links of chains, different you know hydrogen bonds, different combinations that all signal the body in different ways. These are information, the formation, they are in formation and they all inform the body differently. And to think that we can isolate hundreds of different fatty acids. I mean, that's just the fatty acids. The proteins that you get from animal foods are all formed in different peptides, which are equally known to be signaling molecules to the body. Uh, and the complexity of the different combinations, it's just, it's profound once I started to see just how beautifully orchestrated and complete nature was in itself. And I now feel that it's a mistake to try to break things down into pieces. So because of that, I ultimately, I started to learn about the carnivore diet, which at first to me was like a huge joke. <laughs> I was like, what an idiot. This one guy. <laughs> I was just laughing at this guy. And, um, 
you know, a year later, it was still around. And like, I, I really started to research and dive into it because I had literally tried everything, all different forms of veganism, plant-based diets, um, even omnivorous diets. Uh, it just, it hadn't worked for me. So I really started to listen and to study and to look more like the, the origin and evolution of our own species, where we came from, where my own genetics came from, um, how we compare to different types of animals and what is really our most innate, natural, ideal diet and living on a farm, being able to live somewhere where I can literally grow pretty much anything, even if I've sucked at farming, granted me the opportunity to be like, Hey, okay, if we can live on plants, I can definitely do it. Well, we grow like a broad variety of food here. Um, trying to abstain and sustain on what you can grow and what's in your area is so difficult. I actually don't think it's possible if you're just eating right. vegetarian options. And so to experience firsthand that in nature, I cannot do this. Is it really ideal? If it's not my nature, should I be pursuing this? And what foods do actually have everything that I need? You know, and it just comes down to the fact that animals contain, you can literally live on eating an animal nose to tail. A room, ruminants are ideal for ideal foods like cows and goats and sheep. And it just so happens that you can literally live on that as a singular food. And I went through this entire evolution of constantly dissecting things and finding every single element that I needed in combination to create a, a smoothie, an elixir that had everything I need. So I was on a quest to find a, an elixir that had everything that I needed to live. And the more that I dialed in the macronutrients, the micronutrients, the more I started to see, wow, it's mirroring, it's trying to mirror an animal. I'm trying to recreate animal food. And part of my intellect really got attached to that in the sense like I can recreate nature. I can crack this code. You know, and I felt this righteous, righteous moral obligation. Like I was going to be able to support the world to be vegans and, you know, help in the, the animal suffering and all that jazz and actually make it really easy so people can have everything they need. And just months and months of trying that, deeper and deeper I dove, the more and more complex and beautiful I saw that the natural foods already were. And I was like trying to recreate the wheel of, of an intellect that was far superior to mine. For the people that's listening, just to reiterate, I guess, this podcast, even though my practices are on veganism, it's by no means a podcast on veganism. It's, it's all about open-minded and speaking to people as, you know, intellectual and as researched as, you know, Spencer Mack, who we're speaking to today. And just being so, you know, just being open to ideas and different interventions and even, you know, going as far as, you know, I, I, honestly, I, I don't know anyone else that shares the same sentiment as you do and has researched into their personal diet um, as much as you do, Spencer, man. So, um, you know, my, my hat's off goes to you in that regards to ultimately find the truth behind the diet that's, that's best for you. And Thank you. And it just goes to show the, the complexities of our body and our system, you know, that 
not all one diet can work for anyone and everyone and you, as you and you and you can see that i guess and appreciate you know the, the amount of work that spencer has gone through to cultivate himself and his diet and then you know and heal from the the, the metabolic i guess destruction of the pop tarts um, <laughs> that he has as a kid and it's it's been quite a journey it's been very interesting as well and i guess it, and this is like a valuable lesson that a lot of people can learn from is that we don't all start or you know what what we sort of do you can sort of argue that we all start you know on on um you know level 0 and then based on our our lifestyle and our dietary habits it takes us on different paths and and then when we sort of come to a fork in the road and that we want to adopt a ketogenic diet, a veganism, um, you know, plant-based diet or a carnivore diet, you know, we, we're not approaching all that at the same level. And, and I think there's a lot to be said to, 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 to take that into consideration that, you know, going to this very specific diet, um, so to speak, with that we're not all the same or at the same metabolic level going in. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's where your challenges, wasn't it? That you know you were trying to, I guess, dial in into this very specific diet, whereas I guess your body was telling you, you know, over time that you know it, it requires something totally different. Mm-hmm. So with with your you know your realization that you know the the vegan diet, the plant based diet, the the specifically supplemented diet was not for you. How, how did that transition into, I guess, the the more animal-based um, diet now? And I guess what what sort of the the flaws or the the things that you saw holes in that you were able to supplement now with with your current diet? Um, that that's something I'm really interested to to hear about. Thank you, and I want to say uh, I really appreciate your open mind because uh, this is such a it's like religion to people when it comes to diet, especially veganism and plant-based versus animal uh, foods. And so I really appreciate your open mind because I definitely lost a few friends when I made this transition. And that's what made it so challenging and, and why I do speak openly about it because I, it's been the, literally the best thing I've ever done dietarily. I'm in a better place now, physically, emotionally, my relationships, my environment. I believe my environment and my experience reflects my internal state and if that's true like i'm in a much better place now and i broke through what i consider to be at least in my reality everybody's unique a very strong dogma a very deep um indoctrination it's it's uh those spiritual challenges and judgments are the most difficult ones to overcome and and then when you're living in a i'm living in a community where most people are vegan i was managing the farm of a basically a prominent vegan leader the whole community that was vegan and so to to start seeing these insights and realizing that i want to do something else it took me months to decide to finally do it like six months of chronic study reading every day and like I wanted to do it so long ago, I even talked a couple of my friends into it before I did because they were less attached in different environments. Yeah. And and um, one night I just I knew it. I was like, tomorrow I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. 
Right. And uh, so I finally tried it, you know, just like 15 years I hadn't eaten beef and yeah. it felt like, am I like doing some kind of satanic ritual? <laughs> am, I going, am I going to hell? Like You're going to get struck by lightning that day. I know, right? <laughs> I was just waiting for something fucked up to happen. Um, so it's, it's deep, man. And I see those challenges that we have, like with our diet as well as our sexuality are these things that society condemns. They condemn our very nature and it puts us in a place that fucks us up internally because when you are paired against your own nature and you're trying to live to some spiritualized ideal like sex is bad, that craving is bad, then you suppress it and then you see the level of pedophilia and sexual assault that's just rampant in the church, for instance, as an example. You repress your nature, it will come out in another way. And so that's the way that I see, you know, I'm in an animal body. I am spirit. I am conscious awareness, but I am living in an animal body. And my animal consumes other animals. <laughs> that's how I perceive my environment, my reality right now. I love everybody finding their own perception. I'm open to people being able to thrive and uh, you know, grow on a vegan diet, I'd find it highly unlikely, but I, nothing is impossible. I've been wrong so many times. I do not set certainties. I only keep pursuing the truth in my own experience. Yeah. And so for me, that's like feeding, eating all these grains and vegetables is like feeding your dog uh, kibble. You know, did you know that 60% of all dogs die of cancer? 60%. Does that sound natural? Why do you think that is? How did dogs get diabetes? <laughs> because they're eating fucking grains and, and vegetables and, and processed food like that. Right. And, and, you know, luckily, see, we had two dogs here and um, my beautiful friend who owns them, she had all sorts of problems like skin issues uh, with them when they were puppies. And she was buying the best, like most premium foods, trying all these different foods for them. They're having all these rashes and skin issues. She ultimately had to just start feeding them straight ground beef. It cured everything. Wow. They eat pure. Yeah. They eat pure meat. We get them organs. We get them bones. They are beautiful dogs. Um, they're hyper intelligent. They're they grew into beasts, and they don't have any kind of health issues like that. Um, it's their natural diet. So watching these dogs consume raw meat every day <laughs> also gradually kind of like helped yeah. me to like analyze myself and like, all right. Like, does that dog feel bad about that? You know, where does this nature where I feel bad about yep. this come in? It's so interesting because we're spirit in an animal body. And so there's this innate conflict that we have that I just find fascinating. That's why I love the topic. I love the conversation yep. um, because it really makes you look at your own perception of life and death and uh, your relationship to that. So. Yeah, I think I wandered off there. I'm not sure if I answered. No, 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 no. Um, that's all right. Well, look, we can take it back. But um, I think the thing for me is, you know, I've got, you know, vegan friends and that sort of stuff as well. And, you know, to, to slap a label on it, yes, you know, what I'm following is a vegan diet, but I'm not really into that whole um, dogmatic approach um, mm. is that, you know, that everyone, you know, needs to sustain themselves on a vegan diet because, you know, and you're, you're living evidence that, you know, obviously someone that's so meticulous, 
that's so research driven and that's so I guess self uh, you know quantified you know shows that you know it, it doesn't work for everyone and and you know and I wholly accept that that truth whereas I feel like a lot of vegans and I'm not vegan bashing here <laughs> or anything like that but a lot of people I guess that they, they're, they're not truth seekers they're more so just or not not just vegans or you know carnivores or any specific diet or the people who are, you know who preach in ketogenic diet is that they are just this is the only way for everyone and and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily agree with it and that's why I'm open minded and that's why I'm 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 happy or you know grateful to have that conversation with you because I guess mm-hmm. it just goes to show that we're two different people and you know we 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 both in some respect are truth seekers and mm-hmm. want to make the most of our body and it happens to be that during my you know evolution right now um is that i'm subsisting on this type of diet and it's working for me and i'm feeling great and same for you but you know if it comes to a stage where i'm going through i guess certain deficiencies and i'm not feeling the greatest and i can't be my most optimal self and it meant that i had to eat meat then Mm -hmm. you know what i probably would because you know yourself is number one right Mm. but Mm -hmm. i think also on that respect a lot of people come up with excuses as well in in terms of why they can't do certain things and and i guess it's like confirmation bias but uh, for for yourself i don't think it's that at all i think it's more so yep you've given things a good hard crack and you you know you delve into it and you really look into into the nth degree to find out you know what you can do better and if that ideology that you've exhausted cannot fulfill that need then i guess you got to look elsewhere and hence you know the, the diet that you subsist on now mm, beautifully said and i just have to say i love and value that perception so much just your open mind i completely agree and i am not in any way an evangelist trying to make everybody consume this diet i as I said, I've been wrong so many times before and I've had so many paradigms shattered that I am as careful as I can be with what I speak to be the truth. And all I can really know is what has worked for me. And so I do know that individuals should find out what works for them and that each individual is unique, just as you're saying. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into the meat of it, uh, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> talk talk to us about your you know since introducing animal products and how that's come about and it was a slow process or did you once again did a Spencer Mac and jump right into it and, <laughs> and what's what's your day look like now? You know the the choice came to be do I either integrate it slowly a little bit of meat at a time or do I reset completely and start at nothing but meat or animal products and to me the amount of variables if i just gradually added it combining it with other foods what foods would i combine it with were just too many and so i decided to go all in as i tend to do so yeah i went i went completely uh into being a carnivore and started eating steak every day um, ground beef lamb things like that i experimented with dairy in the beginning but had some reaction to it 
which I no longer do anymore. Um, so I, I just did a real clean experiment and went all in uh, nothing but meat and salt and water. When was that? That was about six and a half months ago. Right. And how was it the your microbiome and your digestive um, system shift from what you were doing before and to what you are eating now? How, how was that transition? By far, it's been the... <laughs> It, it was just, it's the easiest on my digestive tract. I don't ever have bloating or gas or discomfort in my guts. And that to me is just like an amazing sign, especially after having to try so many different foods, uh, combinations, preparation methods to try to just eat something that didn't, you know, give me gas or stomach discomfort. Um, so the digestive aspect has been amazing the bowel movements were like amazing was that straight off the bat or did you was there some sort of adjusting period you know in your digestion you know i think i was already um tuned to being ketogenic and adapted to not using carbs i do hear some people uh have difficulty the first anywhere from week to a month upon entering that diet uh but i just didn't you know, the, the only downside that I had in the beginning is I smelled like my body odor smelled like ammonia. Right. And that's that's because my, um, you know, protein intake went up so much. And I think my genes had to reorganize their expression in order to uh, deal with more protein and, and what it was doing with that protein. Um, and so that, that literally lasted like the first two, maybe three days. And then it went away and like my body odor. I, I really enjoy it, <laughs> to be honest. I smell good. Don't have to use like hygiene products. Um, don't have digestive issues. Uh, the food is genuinely delicious. Like it, it literally just, just judging on my own nature and senses, the enjoyment that I get out of it is far more than what I was getting from even the, those extremely complex foods I used to create in order to either recreate meat experiences or just make vegetables more palatable yeah so those have been yeah so that was my introduction to it so i know that 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 night that you said you decided the next that you you will dive into it and even you know putting that first piece of meat in your mouth maybe just talk me through about it did did, did you were <laughs> did you have any reservations or you're like yep this is this is going to be good Man, I had three friends around me. We were all just like staring at me like, oh my God, Spencer Mack is eating meat. And like people were freaking out for a while once they were finding out what I was eating. Because I had always been this like stand, you know, this solid individual who was like this health fanatic. And yep. to see me doing something that looks so extreme to people, it was just, it was interesting to say the least. Should have charged um, for the show. Ah, <laughs> it's going to cost you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, like I say, man, it was almost a hallucinogenic experience because it was so surreal. Like I hadn't eaten it in, in months. And, um, as I said, I had, I have all these self-created spiritual ideals of what is good and what is bad. And as I say, those can conflict your nature. And so if you see yourself doing this thing, like I said, I'm like, am I doing some kind of satanic ritual here? Is this going to bring me down into the lower realms? Am I going to receive bad karma for this? 
there was there was definitely like fear and questioning there and at the same time a big sigh of relief because I wanted to know I want to know so bad I had studied it for months I see so much profound information that just the reason the reasoning is so solid that I had to try it I have to know I can't like let this be a thing and not know like if I ate that way, would it make me better? Would I become a better person, a higher version of myself? I can't uh, just leave it up to be a question. So part of me was relieved to know that I was going to find out for sure. And part of me was wondering if I was <laughs> signing a, a contract with the devil. <laughs> and like you said from the very start, you know, you're the type of person that's not going to take it on face value and based on you know, what so-and-so said, you have to try it for yourself. And I guess being vegetarian and uh, for the last 15 years, you know, you, I guess for yourself, you, you don't know any better because that's been a good part of your life. And now for you to, I guess, you know, to read about all these things and going through these struggles yourself, I'm, I'm sure it was, yeah. And I, and I feel for you, brother, because... You know, there's, there's people that, you know, are stopped in their tracks of, you know, self-actualizing and actually discovering truth because in fear of, you know, what communities and what other people uh, might say about them. And I think that can stop a lot of people from doing things. And I think for you, was that was that a big internal, oh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, well, maybe in your words, was that a big internal battle um, for you to, to make that switch? Because I'm, I'm really interested about that, I guess, for other people who, who've sort of gone through the same thing as well. Huge, man. And I really appreciate you bringing the awareness to that because that is literally my primary directive in doing any of this. Uh, I want to reach liberation, moksha. Uh, <laughs> so that anything that inhibits my spiritual growth and my connection with, with God, with life, um, I do not want to do. And so that was a great inhibition to, to me wanting to try it because I had, like I said, my induction into veganism, vegetarianism was through Ayurveda. And that is their whole purpose of that way of eating is to reach liberation, is to reach the highest state. And so I had my own indoctrination from that perspective that it was not spiritual. And I was definitely curious, how is this going to affect my meditation? Like, am I going to be more emotional? Am I going to get angry? And I've had nothing but benefit for the clarity of my mindset and my ability to sustain attention on a single point um, and ultimately just improve my life through that uh, increased coherence. Yep. So, as we know, diet is so, so important because that's one of the main things that we can influence and what we put into our body because to a lesser extent, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, you know, with, with obviously technology nowadays, we have some sort of influence on that. But for the majority of the time, the biggest influence that we can have on ourselves is the the, the information, the thing that we put through uh, into our minds and also the things that, that goes through our digestive tract. So, yes, you know, something to be said about that. But for you, specifically, Spencer Mack, how has this diet shift changed your life? And in terms of if you were to sum it up 
you know, what, what sort of positive effects that it has elicit on your practices, your life, your philosophy, your friends, and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sharing my true perspective on that might sound like a little out there, but... That's all right. It, that's, it, that's what we're all it, about. <laughs> it, it is, as you're expressing, foundational to our experience in this life. What we are consuming, what we are composing ourselves of is the most direct relationship that we have with this earth. We are putting the earth inside of our body and it's there for a period of time. It begins to compose us and it begins to alter the chemicals that are in our body, which shape our emotions, that shape our thoughts, that shape our actions, that shape our life. So literally uh, everything has changed and I perceive it in the Indian or Hindu system. They have the system of chakras that go up the spine and they're all different energy centers and they all correlate to different aspects of your life, Uh, such as the root chakra is your survival chakra. It is your shelter. It is your food. It is your survival. The the, uh, second chakra is water chakra. It's more of your relationships, your connections with others, your nurturance through relationships. And for me, I feel like I've been stuck on the earth chakra, the first chakra for years. Granted, I have different levels of development all the way up the spine, but this one has just been just a really a big challenge for years, all these different trials of my diet. And to me, eating this way has like checked the root chakra off, like check. I've got my relation to nature. I've got, I know where I stand in nature. I'm eating true to myself. I'm giving my body the physical sustenance that it needs to sustain this physical body that I have. And because of that, a lot of things above that chakra have progressed in my life. I'm having far more reflections of the types of relationships that I want, the type of people that are in my life, and the environment that I find myself in now. It's it's beautiful the, the connection i have with my community my community is becoming more coherent uh, the regeneration of my physical body i had a very challenging knee injury for over a year that kept inhibiting me from really being able to train my legs and it was just lagging i'd never had an injury stay around that long yeah and that went that went away after three months on this and i can now do full squats full arrow stances like deep stances full range of motion and that's like a a feeling of liberation. Like I can actually move about the earth how I want to again. Um, And I mean, when I was really crashing towards the end of the protocol, granted I was in a very extreme, I feel like I was driven towards a very extreme expression of it. Like I was ketogenic um, doing the almond protocol. And I started to have really challenging experiences, uh, namely with mineral imbalances. And I was holding onto a lot of water. I'd feel really strong fatigue and it kept coming in waves over months until it gradually got so impactful like i was about to pass out i was holding like 10 pounds of water i was notably shit bloated yeah i literally like if i was at a hospital they probably would have been like they would have injected me with like potassium or something they would have made me go to a hospital um and it took that to prove to my mind 
hey, this is not just your mind making this up. Yep. This is a real physical issue you're dealing with. This isn't some mental weakness, which I kept pinning myself on. I'm like, this is just a mental challenge um, I can overcome. And at the same time, I, I lose my job. I lose my house because I live where I work. I lose my health because I feel like shit. <laughs> and, and so like literally that's how I experience my life. When my body is in a shit place, my whole life is in a shit place. And I can honestly say right now, I'm in the best place I've ever been. I, I feel great. I have beautiful people around me. The relationships I have, I'm so grateful for. The environment I live in is mind-blowing. Um, I'm just like in such a deep state of gratitude. And so that is like the, the level of profundity that it has affected me on. Yeah. And man, what, what an honorable perspective to have is... And that, that, I guess that just takes it on, on a much, much higher level than I guess a lot of people, how people perceive diet is that it's just this thing that you eat and that's it, right? But for you, it sounds like, you know, it has a profound effect and, and so it should um, on your life in terms of your perspective, your spiritual energy um you know, your ability to to think to to do things you know physically and, and and all that sort of stuff so it's an all-encompassing you know thing and lifestyle which which it should be not a diet and that's why i hate the word diet so much because it's mm-hmm. so so myopic whereas i guess a lifestyle it encompasses all these things that you've just, um, you know, talked about just now, the people, mm-hmm. the community, the mind, the spirit. And, and then diet is just one aspect to help us get there or help us effectuate that or express that in, in, in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yep. Just trying to isolate your diet or your exercises, like the same thing as trying to cut out different nutrients of, of, uh, food and dissect things into pieces it's it's not an individual thing it's a it's a way of being a way of life like you're saying yeah just to you know sort of wrap it up because I, there was so much more i wanted to go through with you today about you know your training protocol and your philosophy and you know your philosophy on you know which we talked about in some extent on on life and community and that sort of stuff. But um, you know what? We, we can save that for another time. There's no rush. I'm sure I didn't scare you off too much today that you'll um, be happy <laughs> to jump on another podcast. So there'll be other opportunities. So yeah, man, we, we covered off so, so much today in terms of just your diet and the evolution around that at all. And I'm so, so genuinely grateful to have you on to, to share that with everyone because it just goes to show that there's so much more complexities and so much more levels when it comes to you know the food the diet than just yeah just just simply doing the ketogenic diet or the carnivore diet or the vegan diet it's 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 more about intuition feeling and also in terms of your genetic makeup and your you know your lineage and how that responds to different things in your environment that that all mm. has to um you gotta have to take that all into consideration not just the the one substance that you put into your mouth so mm-hmm. amen so i guess with that in mind spencer you're a man of 
you know, of poetry and philosophy and wisdom. To finish up, you know, and one thing that, you know, what we're all about here is helping uplift other people, um, especially for the people that's listening and, you know, just making their lives, you know, more more worth living and more easier and more, in, in the words, effortless, so to speak. So, mm. in terms of your personal practice and philosophies and what you've cultivated over the years, what's one tip or some tips that you can give someone that they can action today that will make their life a bit more effortless, however you interpret that? Mm. Well, I don't want to sound too cliche, but to simplify it all, I'd say know thyself or maybe more specifically love yourself. And when you love something, you pay attention to it and you take care of it. And it can be very valuable to comprehend that this entire experience, even what is perceived to be outside of you, is you. So if you want to learn to love yourself, pay attention observe nature, observe yourself. In the Hawaiian cultural tradition, they have a very deep relationship with the moon and they have a practice called kilo. And that is taking time every day to pay attention to what's going on in nature. Where is the moon? What phase is it in? What are the winds like? What's the water like? How do I feel? This practice of kilo is ultimately self-observation. And by establishing and maintaining a practice like that in our lives, we come to know who we truly are. And that is the greatest gift that you can possibly receive. So that's my advice. Beautifully said, my friend. And what a way to finish up. And I totally agree with that, to look within, look outside and practically just open your eyes so <laughs> hey man um, i'm super grateful for this conversation thank you so much for agreeing to jump on and speak about your experiences and your journey you know when it comes to you know not just diet um, and the evolution of your diet but many more things that uh, accompanies that as well so really really appreciate brother and really really grateful for, for you having you here today and um, i'm sure um that there will be plenty more to talk about in the future as well i sincerely appreciate it. it's been really enjoyable i appreciate your your open mind and your great questions and as well as your influence and inspiration over the years just watching you be so solid and consistent on the protocol itself uh, i have a great deal of respect for your self-control and self-awareness so thank you for for connecting and having me on no worries brother it's been my pleasure all right guys so that's it for this episode with spencer mac we'll uh catch you next time